Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. I want to I take us to probably a little bit of an unusual um, place when you think about Father's Day. But bear with me because in Matthew chapter 3, uh, the Bible gives us the account of where Jesus is coming to, to John the Baptist to be baptized. And it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to, to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And, and John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for this it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. And uh, we actually had an f- amazing baptism service last Sunday night. 15 people going through the waters of baptism. It was a very powerful day. We had, we had around 21 responses to the gospel throughout the day last Sunday. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And this is the bit that I want to bring us to. When he... Jesus had been baptized. Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. What struck me about those words was that I believe every son and every daughter is looking for validation from their father. They might not look in exactly the same way, but they are all both looking. We thank God for, we thank God for all the great fathers out there, those dads who've done a great job and we, and we absolutely celebrate you. But no father is perfect uh, because we're human and every human being has human flaws. These, these words, um, and I've read them many times, but they've not, they didn't really impact me before in the way that they uh, impacted me um, last week. This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. It's, it's when, you, when, you, when you hear those words, it, it says, I see you. I see you. This is my beloved child. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. I see you. I see who you are. I see what you can do and I celebrate you. I believe, I believe that that is what happened in that moment. Jesus had done something in that moment that pleased his heavenly father and God affirmed him. There was, there was a validation My father was 
present. He was, he was present in the home. But truth be told, he was emotionally absent. And, and the reality is that life had dealt him a bit of a rough deal um, in that he married my mother for better or for worse. And the truth is, uh, this was one of those times when the for worse came for reality because just seven years into the marriage, when I was about seven years of age, my mother was diagnosed with multiple cirrhosis. I was the oldest. I was seven. My brother was five. My sister was two years of age. And the reality is that my father did not have the emotional tools to deal with a woman who he loved, but everything changed. My mom could no longer uh, physically contribute to the home. And my dad really felt the burden of, of a wife who was now physically incapacitated and three young children. And it meant that we, we, we came to a place where family life was, it wasn't about fun, it was about survival. Uh, everyone had to pitch in. So, you know, uh, like even as children, we were having to do things, be carers in the home where, where, where children would not ordinarily have had to do that. Um, and so because my dad didn't have those tools and he was emotionally absent, you know, and he didn't know the Lord. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy. If you're trying to grow up, if you're trying to live a life, I, I don't know how people do it. I, to, to live a life without Jesus, to, to get up in the morning and know you're doing this on your own, in your mind, it's like, this is, this is you, this is, this is up to you. I, I don't know. And, and, and he felt the weight of that. And you know what? I, I honor him before you. I honor my father today because he stayed. He stayed. He did not have the tools. He wasn't equipped. And in many ways, because of the situation, didn't do the kind of job that he might have done. But he did stay when many, many would not have done that. Uh, he died two days before Christmas in 2005. And I sat uh, in the hospital ward and I cried. And not as you might have think, I, I, I cried not, not particularly because he died, but because there was a man lying on the bed who I'd known all my life. And I didn't know. I didn't know him. I'd seen him. He'd been around. But I didn't know him at all. And somehow all this came back when, when I realized that I'd waited I'd waited all my life to hear those words. This is my beloved son. Wow. 
in whom I am well pleased. And, and they never came. They never came. Some of you can relate because I think some of it was a generational thing. My parents weren't very good at all at showing affection or being affirming in their words. In my whole life, I remember one hug from my father and that was after he'd gone too far with a good hiding and he felt bad. In all my life, I never heard either my mother or my father say, I love you. And, you know, I would say, I mean, my wife Lynette's in the service today and, you know, her experience was very different. I don't think her parents really showed her too much physical affection, or, but she, she never doubted that she was loved. She never doubted. There was an environment, an atmosphere in the home that even in the absence of that, she never doubted she was loved. But this was not, this was not my story. And um, I think it's pretty obvious that in no way at all is my story the worst story in the room. There are many, many worse than mine. But the truth is, my, my soul, my soul had been wounded. And when I think about my family history, um, and I'm talking about generations of people who are far, far from God. Um, I can tell you that looking back, I know that my, not only was I a wounded son, but my father was a wounded son. And I know my grandfather was a wounded son. And I think it's important to remember that every father has first been a son. Every father has first been a son. And I think that the devil, I know the devil, has a strategy to wound the sons and daughters. When I say wound, I'm talking emotional wounds. I'm talking mental scars. I'm talking words spoken and words withheld. Because if you, can, if you can wound the son or the daughter who carry their wounds into parenthood, then they can mess up the next generation. So it's, it's and, and, and that's what we need to remember. We have, we have an enemy, we have a devil who sows seeds in our present that aren't for now. They are sowing something in our now that is, is for the future. It's, for, it's, for, it's waiting for us up ahead. Maybe you don't know your father. Or like me, you knew him, but he was emotionally absent. Or he was present rather and emotionally absent. Or he was just absent. Or he was abusive. And, and maybe, like me, you never heard that you were loved. You know, I, I think that some of this um, really did contribute to me finding Jesus at 19 years of age. Because 
that void, the absence of those words created a void in my soul. And I think this is important to understand because without that validation, without those words that say, I see you, I see you, I see you've got potential, I see you've got capacity. I found that as a 19-year-old man, I was stood with a silent scream. That I never spoke it out, but I walked around saying, will you love me? Just when I didn't get that at home, I looked for it in, in several places. Will you love me? Will you tell me who I am? Will you tell me who I can be? That is what the validation of a father should produce in the sons and the daughters. They should know their love. They should, they should know that there's someone there who's telling them who they are and who they can be. Because if you don't get it there, you will seek it because we are wired to need it. And the reality is, I got to church and, uh, and I, I, I unapologetically say, I looked for fathers in the church. I looked, I looked to find something that I'd not had in my life, that I'd not found in my world. I looked for it. And yet, even in the church, I found too many wounded sons. And you know, you know I know that this is undoubtedly quite an emotional uh, subject, quite an emotional issue. But I, I really want you to understand that from my point of view, I thank God. I thank God. I wouldn't want you to, for one moment, feel sorry for me because I need you to know that I thank God with all my heart that He has treated me as He has treated me because he, he, by the way He treated me, it forced me to, to seek my validation from Him. I'm not saying that I didn't seek my validation from others, but it, it, it forced me to turn to God in the absence of of it coming from elsewhere, it's, it forced me to turn to God. And, and I would remind you, it was the words of God. It was the words of God to Jesus who looked at his son and said, this is my beloved son. And I want you to understand that no matter if, 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 if no man has ever said it to you, if no man has ever uttered those words to you, I want you through and by the Spirit of God to hear it loud and clear this morning that God looks at you and He says, this is my daughter. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I know you. I know you better than you know yourself. I know what you've done. I know where you've been. And I still love you. And I, I'm still proud of you because I'm not just looking at, at, at the mess. I'm looking at the potential that I always knew was there in your life because I put it there. I put you together in your mother's womb. I saw you being formed. I see your potential because all the days ordained for you were written in my book before one of them came to be. I see you. I see you. Jesus, 
the healer, the deliverer. And I want you to understand that I stand here today to say that your wounds do not have to define you. With Jesus in your life, your wounds do not have to define you. There is enough wholeness, there is enough healing in the Word of God to raise you up and see you through. This gospel we believe in, this Jesus we believe in is real. It is true. I have not signed up for religion. I have signed up for life. And Jesus has set my soul free. He has healed my mind. He has given me hope. And He has set me free from the things that that should have brought me down, should have dragged me down, should have robbed me of a future. God is the one who sees you and gives you hope and gives you a future. Man may have let you down, but God, God never will. He never will. I'm saying someone needs to hear that this morning. Men may have let you down, but God never will. He will never, ever, ever let you down. I'm speaking to some lonely souls in the room and I want you to know that God sees you and God knows you and He will never, He will never let you down. To be a father is the highest honour and the greatest challenge. When I talk about being a father, I'm not just talking about bringing somebody into the world. Biology can do that. It takes more than that to be a father. Interestingly, As I said, I got saved at 19. I was married at 21 to an incredibly wonderful, beautiful woman. And we had our first child um, in our first year of marriage. And I remember, I say that because, you know, I'd come to Jesus, but there's a lot of work that still needed to be done. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, I was no overnight wonder. You know, some people, they seem to be, but I just was, for me, the process was quite slow sometimes, still is. And uh, I remember um, Bethany, she's in the meeting, and I've, I've told this story a couple of times before, but she, um, in, we, the, we're so old, it was the, the days before stair gates, you know. In our day, you just used to fall downstairs, but... <laughs> but now you have stair gates. But, so we, we didn't have a stair gate, and uh, not with our first, first one anyway. And, uh, and Bethany, uh, I came out of the bedroom, and, and, and somehow, somehow, she'd managed to crawl out of the lounge and, and, and up the stairs. And just getting a little bit of eye shot. So I, I scooped her up in my arms. In shock, to be honest, I thought, oh my God, she could have fallen down the stairs. And, and I scooped her up in my arms. And in that moment, my soul, my being was flooded with love for her. A love I'd never felt before in that way. And in, right into the middle 
of the intensity of that emotion, the Spirit of God said to me, I love you like that. I love you like that. And so it was a beautiful moment between me and my daughter, but it was also a moment of healing. We, we went on to have three more uh, children, uh, two, another two boys and a girl. But, you know, I, it's an amazing thing that we raise our children, but yet somehow they raise us. We teach our children, but somehow they teach us. And, and, and some of, some of the, the, the things I would say as a father that, that my, my children have taught me. Yes, I have taught them, and, but they have taught me. I, I, would, I would say I've been there for them, and I would say that they, even as, they didn't even realize they were doing it, but they, they, they have been, a, on many occasions, they've been a balm to my soul. They didn't even realize it. Just, you know, I don't know. Like, even as a, as a child, they'll, you know, they don't know what's going on in your head. They don't know what's going on in your life. But sometimes they'll smile. Sometimes they'll make you laugh. Sometimes they'll come up to you and say, I love you, Daddy. And... And it's, it's like Jesus used that as a balm, a balm to your soul. As a father, I have succeeded and I have failed. And, and I understand, I realize, I realize that that is what fatherhood is. We succeed and we fail. And obviously we hope to succeed more than we fail. But we succeed and we fail. And I also know that God makes up the difference. That's why I think it's so important that you've got God in your life and God on your side because He helps make up the difference. He knows, He knows how imperfect we are, but He knows our potential. It reminds me this this family in the Bible who actually should encourage us. And one of the things I love about the Bible is that everything isn't polished. Everything isn't sorted. My God, there is a lot of mess in the Bible. You know, there's a lot of situations where we can look at and say, well, I mean, I'm, I know it's tough, but I'm not like that. You know, it's, and there's this family, uh, you, may, you may know about them, but um, it was, you know, uh, Jacob, Jacob and Esau. They were the, 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 the twin sons of Isaac. And, and, you know, I mean, these are, these are families that are, like, really close to God. I mean, God was called the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know what I mean? It's like he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and we're talking about Isaac and Jacob here. And, and, and here these guys are so close to God, and they're still managing to stuff up. So there's hope. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis 25, it says, so the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. I mean, this is pretty dysfunctional. Right here. Um, here we have the fact that the father, the father actually found it easier to relate to, to um, Esau rather than Jacob. I, 
fascinating thing. Moms and dads in the room, you will know. Here we have two boys. They shared the same womb at the same time. They were born into the same family. And yet they are so remarkably different. Have such completely different temperaments. Is there any father in the room or any mother who has ever looked at their child and thought, did you really come from me? Is there any way that they could have got you mixed up at the hospital? I don't know. I, I should have checked the, checked the tag a little more clearly. It's like, did, are you really my child? Um, but here we are, you know, and I'm sure this, this Isaac must have looked at his, his son. I mean, we, we, it's, it's clear here that we have, you know, Jacob was a mild man. You see, Esau was a man's man. Dad loved him because he was out there hunting game. Bring me meat, son. Bring me meat. I mean, I must say, it's a little bit shallow because it says that Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. You know, it's a, I mean, that is cupboard love. Do you know what I mean? It's like, bring me meat, son. I love you. Oh. But, but here we've got, we've got um, uh, Jacob, who was a stay-at-home boy. What's he say? He dwelt, he dwelt amongst the tents. We also know he cooked. Because if you read a bit further on, he, he was cooking lentil stew that his brother sold his inheritance for. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, Jacob wasn't really a man's man. He was, he was someone who stayed around the tents and, 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 and made lentil stew. But I, I love the fact, you see, that there's room in the kingdom of God for all kinds of people. Not, 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 not the, 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 the social stereotypes that sometimes we try and shove people in. But no doubt that, that Isaac found it easier to relate to, to Esau. And they are two, two different temperaments, as I say. But I, I want to say, I want to say to us fathers, I mean, obviously I'm speaking to fathers because it's Father's Day, but I'm also speaking to moms. You know, the truth of the matter is that we, as fathers, we have a responsibility to relate to our children, even when they're challenging, even when we can't relate to the way that they are. I believe that Jesus helps us to do that because I am not called to force my child into a role that I feel comfortable with. I am a nurturer of, of who they are. Our children are not there to fulfill our dreams. They're not there to fulfill my dreams. We are there to help them to nurture and fulfill their dreams. There's a lot we could say about that. Jacob, we know, brought up in a home where there was clear dysfunction and, and, and it really was because then his mother, his mother helped him deceive his father into stealing the blessing of his brother. We'll talk a bit about that in a moment. And, you know, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm going very quickly over this, but, you know, there's the, the time some of you will know, there's a time where, where Jacob then actually goes and wrestles with God. It's like he, he's brought, he's brought, to the end of himself. He, he can't go on and he's, he's brought 
to the end of himself and he wrestles with God and God uh, touches him. Uh, he, he, he walks with a limp for the rest of his life and God gives him a new name. He says, you won't be, you won't be Jacob anymore. You'll be Israel. Um, I want to say that I believe that in a way, Jacob wrestled with God, but he wrestled with himself. I think that's what the cross represents. The cross represents a place where I wrestle with God, but I receive his grace and I, forgive, I receive his forgiveness and I receive a new identity. Maybe I don't receive an actual new physical name like, like Jacob did, but I receive a new identity at the cross. And then I marvel at the fact that even after wrestling with God, God very clearly, uh, and you can go and read it for yourself, very clearly changes his name to, to Israel. And yet from that day forth, you would imagine, wouldn't you, that from that day forth, after God had given him a new name, that he would be called Israel. But in reality, from that day forth, he is interchangeably called Israel and Jacob. Israel and Jacob. And that is, that is something that is true of all of us. We have, our, we have our Israel moments and we have our Jacob moments. It's a humbling thing when, when we ourselves become fathers and we realize that we're not perfect either. I don't know if you're anything like me, you know, sometimes when you're growing up, you say when you're annoyed as a child or, you know, something your mom or dad have done and you think, well, no, no, when I grow up, I'll never do that. When I'm a dad, I'll never do that. And then one day, quite unexpectedly, you open your mouth and your mother comes out. <laughs> or your father comes out and you find yourself saying things that you, you never thought you would say. Or you promised yourself you wouldn't. Because wounded parents wound their children. I think being a parent um, with the passing of time has helped me with, with the help of Jesus to, to view my father more compassionately. When you, when you realize that you yourself as as you, Father, you're not going to always get it right. You're not. And, and, and even though we, we strive, we aspire to be perfect, we're not going to make it. And, and I think that when we have to show ourselves some grace, we, we, show, we have to show our parents some grace, even though, even though they may have been far from perfect and maybe even done some awful things. The truth is that, that there is abundant grace and abundant forgiveness and that, that God, God does not want me to walk in unforgiveness. He wants me not to walk in my wounds. He wants me to walk in my healing. I remember one day, you know, I was carrying a lot of baggage years ago, years and years and years ago. I can't actually remember when. If I really took some time, I might be able to work it out. But, but I was going to just go and sit my father down and, 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 and tell him, just get some things off my chest about how I felt he'd done, you know? And, and rather what he hadn't done. And, and I, I, I went with it. It was in my mind to say, but you know, I forgive you and all that. But I just needed to get some stuff off my chest because there were some things that aren't right. And I think that, that we've got we've to come to the place where we, we accept. It's, it, 
even when we grow up, even, even with the passing of time, even with the viewing of things more compassionately, there are just some things that weren't right. It wasn't right. We can't make it right, but we can choose to approach it in a different way. And I remember, I remember making an appointment to go and see, <laughs> make an appointment, that says something, doesn't it? Make an appointment to go and see my dad. And, uh, and, I, and I was there, and I think I'd written some notes. And, and that day, that day he had, a, he had a stroke. That day, that very day. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see him. Uh, I got a call in the middle of the day. He had a stroke from which he never fully or properly recovered. And, uh, un- you know, unfortunately, um, he, his brain was actually fine, but he couldn't uh, put his words together in a clear way in, in order to answer which was an incredibly frustrating place to be, to be thinking the right thing, but it coming, the wrong thing coming out of your mouth. And, um, and I, realized, I realized that it was, it was lacking in compassion and it was unfair for me to now go and download all my stuff without giving him the right of reply. Because there's two sides to every argument, you know. There's my perspective. There would have been his perspective. And I didn't believe that I had the right, me, I didn't have the right to go and download my stuff and then leave him with a situation where he couldn't respond to it. And so it came to that I never did tell him. I had to go to God. And I want to speak to people in the room who you're maybe never going to get that moment with your father. Because of whatever, you're never going to get that moment. And I want to share, you know, what what God did for me, and I'm not pretending it's easy, and I am saying it is a process, but you know, in Philippians 3, Paul said, forgetting what is behind, I press on towards the goal. And having come to the conclusion that I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to do what I thought I could do, I made a decision, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm not, I'm, I refuse, I refuse to carry wounds. I, I, I make a decision that I'm going to walk in healing because I want to parent from a place of healing, not from a place of my wounds. And there was a great scripture that, that spoke to me and, and I want to I give it to you in Zechariah 4 in the Amplified Version and you, just work with me. It says, What are you, O great mountain of obstacles before Zerubbabel who will rebuild the temple? In other words, what, what are you, mountain of problems? What are you, mountain of problems, offences, issues in my life? He says, you will become a plain. You'll become insignificant. And he will bring out the capstone of the new temple with loud shouts of grace to it. Grace to it. Because it came to the point of me realizing there's just some stuff in the natural it's never going to get sorted. It's not going to be put right. The truth is, you know, it doesn't matter how good the conversation is. It's not going to deliver the results. It's not going to change anything. And I realized that in God, there were some things that I could speak to and I could say, I can't fix it, but grace to it. 
grace to it. And I would, I would have to say to you that it's not a moment. It's probably many moments where you have to say over and over again, grace to it until its grip has gone. Until its grip has gone. And I say this because for all, every father and mother in the room, every son, every daughter, that God wants you to parent from a healed place. Not a perfect place because we can't be perfect, but, but when I say healed, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that I'm not scarred. When, I, when I'm scarred, it means that I've been, I've been healed, but, but are those scars a sign that I was wounded or a sign that I was healed? Same scar, but is it a sign that I was wounded or is it a sign that I was healed? And... I just want to come today and I say that God, God is speaking to His princes and His princesses. He's speaking. He's speaking to you because the truth of the matter is, and I haven't even got time to, to go into all that I would like to, but, but the truth is that there came a day, Jacob, after he deceived and, and he messed up and he wrestled with God and, and you know, the reality is he sowed deception and he reaped deception. He, he lived under the illusion for years that his own son had died. He sown deception and he reaped deception in his life because he believed that Joseph was dead. Of course, the truth came out in the end. So I want to say that with this messed up, dysfunctional family, there came a point at the end of it all and, and, and the Bible says it, and I'll give you, I'll give you the Scripture because um, it says here in Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, my God. Oh, my God. When, when he was dying, he blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And what I want to say is this is the power of God. To every father in the room, to every mother in the room, to every son and daughter in the room. This is the power of God. It doesn't matter how messed up and dysfunctional things have been. Jacob was brought to a place in his life where he could lean on his staff and bless. Where he'd been broken, where he'd been messed up. He could bless. I want to say to every single one of us in the room, no matter how wounded we are, no matter how much pain we're carrying, no matter what the dysfunction we have come from, the power of God will work in our lives so that we too can figuratively, at the, at the end of our life, lean on our staff and be a blessing to our family because we've allowed the Spirit of God to bring healing to our lives, bring healing to our family. And so I want to bring you back to this moment and, and then I want to pray here and then I'll pray. I'll pray for all, I'll pray for all our dads. But I want to pray for sons and daughters in the room because this we all have in common. We are all somebody's son. We're all somebody's daughter. And I want to say that wherever you are, 
on the continuum of parenting. Maybe, maybe your kids are long gone or maybe you've got baby, baby in arms. But I want, to know, I, I want you to understand that God, does want, God wants us to father. He wants us to mother from a place of healing, not a place of perfection. And we can't fix everything. But I believe the Spirit of God has sent me to you today to say, for that which you can't fix, for that which you can't correct, to empower you to know that you can say grace to it. I can't fix it, but I can say grace to it. And I can say grace to it until it's lost its grip on me. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.